0: Hello Giants fans and welcome to your Friday, December 18 edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Today's show is going to feature an interview with Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com as we preview Sunday night's Giants-Browns week 15 clash game that has uh, playoff implications for, for both teams. First though, let's talk about some of the, the news, some of the topics that uh, that that have made news this week with your New York Giants. First and foremost, of course, is the second injury suffered by quarterback Daniel Jones. Listen, I have said and I've been clear in my writing throughout the week at Big Blue View that I think Joe Judge made a mistake in his handling of Jones against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Judge said consistently, you know, for a couple of weeks as as Jones dealt with the hamstring injury, he said that that you know, he wanted to make sure that Jones could protect himself uh, if and when he played um and and he has continued to say that he thought Jones could protect himself Sunday against Arizona, I disagree when you watch Jones, he couldn't move and and to me, a guy who can't move a guy who is a stationary target, a guy who is you know a sitting duck, which is something that that judge said he didn't want Jones to be if he put him out there uh you know to me a guy who is a sitting duck and, and can't really move well enough to uh, to avoid some hits or at least you know not take direct hits that guy can't protect himself and i did not feel like jones could protect himself on on sunday and the thing you worry about when a guy can't protect himself is that he will suffer more injuries which is precisely what happened with Jones on Sunday against Arizona with a sprained left ankle, which he suffered, I believe, on a second-quarter sack. He said he thought it uh, it was in the middle of the game. Um, I think the Giants said they thought it was in the second quarter as well. But, uh, you know, the the other thing is I thought – you know, going back to that game, I thought that Jones should have been taken out of the game at halftime, and, and you know, and Colt McCoy allowed to finish the game. I just didn't think Jones was moving well enough to, to effectively play quarterback. So I think Judge made a mistake. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen some some emails from Giants fans and some comments that are pretty irate regarding the way that uh, that Judge handled Jones during the week listen this doesn't make judge a bad head coach it doesn't make him an idiot it doesn't it doesn't mean he should be fired all of those things it doesn't mean he's stupid it means he's a young head coach dealing with an injured quarterback for the first time it means he made a mistake you know Joe Judge is a good head coach I I believe in the direction that judge has the Giants pointed in, I believe in a lot of the things that he's done. I think the Giants are pointed in the right direction and I think Judge is going to be the Giants head coach for for a while and I think ultimately he will be successful in in getting the Giants you know back to uh, to fairly consistent contention in getting the Giants back to uh, to playing the kind of football. That, that Giants fans will enjoy on a much more consistent basis. But I think in this case, he made a mistake. I think that one of the other things that, that Judge said in the lead-up to the Arizona game was that you couldn't really trust what Jones was telling you in regards to his health, in regards to how he felt, because he's a competitor, he's a tough guy, and he would tell you that he was okay, even if he really wasn't. And and Judge said that, you know, you really had to trust your eyes. And and at least for me, my eyes were telling me as I watched Jones play that he didn't belong out there on the field. And, And the disappointing thing in the aftermath of the game for me was that Judge kept talking about what Jones was telling him that Jones was telling him he was okay that he was telling him he was fine he was telling him he could continue to go out there and, and that means for me that judge didn't do the thing he said he was going to do he didn't use his eyes he listened to what Jones was telling him so i think that that Joe didn't follow you know the the thing that he said he was going to follow and that disappointed me a little bit but it's also a learning experience for the head coach. Now, will Jones play, you know, this uh this Sunday night? We don't know that yet as as I record this early on Friday morning. Um I have my doubts with injuries to both legs. I mean, the hamstring itself is an injury that that simply isn't healed yet. That's a thing that uh that takes 4 to 6 weeks to heal. I mean, when you talk to most experts, that's what they'll tell you. Uh, that a hamstring takes four to six weeks; that it really needs rest; that you can't keep running around on it and expect it to get any better. So, you know, uh, with the with the ankle on top of it, plus the fact that uh, that the Giants were not able to practice on Friday or on Thursday, excuse me, after uh, Jason Garrett's positive COVID nineteen test, which is another thing we need to talk about here in a second. I just think it's complicated and I I think it would probably be better for Jones and perhaps better for the Giants offense, you know, if Jones would be, is is as limited as he was last Sunday against Arizona, better for the Giants offense if they play a fully healthy Colt McCoy. So, let's move on to the uh to the COVID-19 news for the Giants this week. Obviously, they've been impacted uh, by COVID-19 on a couple of of fronts. Obviously, as we mentioned, offensive coordinator Jason Garrett will not be with the Giants on Sunday night because of a positive COVID-19 test. That means that tight ends coach Freddie Kitchens will call plays for the Giants, and that's interesting on several levels. Mostly it's interesting because it adds some intrigue to the Sunday night game. Kitchens was, of course, Cleveland head coach a year ago, fired and then hired by Joe Judge to be the Giants tight ends coach. Kitchens has been an offensive coordinator before. He was offensive coordinator in Cleveland in 2018. This is nothing new for him but the uh the fact that that kitchens was the giants uh, or you know, was the cleveland head coach a year ago adds you know a definite layer of uh, of intrigue to uh to sunday night's game also could be interesting because you know colt mccoy drafted back in 2010 in the third round by cleveland could be the quarterback so you could have uh a couple of former browns you know at the helm of of the giants offense on sunday night just uh, sort of adds some interest adds you know maybe an emotional level to to the game that that could make it uh, that 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 could make it interesting so that'll be uh, that'll be something to watch sunday night as well The other COVID-related problem for the Giants is the fact that that star cornerback James Bradbury won't be available, and Bradbury uh, found found to be a a high-risk close contact of someone outside the Giants organization who has tested positive for COVID, uh, is now on the reserve COVID-19 list, and uh, this is, you know, this is bad. You know, this is a bad news for the Giants because Bradbury is such a terrific player, one of the Giants' best defenders. Plays a position where the Giants, you know, already have suffered several injuries this year and, and have had lots of issues at corner, you know, developing or finding, you know, corners to play opposite him. And at this point, I mean, the Giants have so many guys on IR. Madre Harper on IR. uh, Ryan Lewis on IR. Uh, They cut Brandon Williams this week, who was really a special teams player, uh, listed as a cornerback, but really used as a special teams player. Slot cornerback Darnay Holmes still isn't practicing after injuring a knee and missing last week's game against Arizona. So the Giants are really thin at corner. Not quite sure how defensive coordinator Patrick Graham will uh, will try to work around, you know, missing Bradbury. But any way you slice it, you know, missing James Bradbury is a problem for the Giants uh, this Sunday night. So, you know, let let's talk about one more thing. Let's talk about the Giants and the playoffs. It, you know, it would be nice if the Giants make the playoffs. Obviously, losing to Arizona combined with with Washington, you know, winning its last couple of games, you know, puts the Giants' playoff hopes in a in a precarious spot here With with three weeks to go. This game Sunday night against a really good Cleveland team, a game where the Giants are not going to be at full strength, obviously, is one that's going to be very difficult for the Giants to win. But I remind, as I have several times, You know, that this season was never really about playoffs for the Giants. If they make it, that's great. If they don't, the season is still about progress. It's still about identifying whether they have the right head coach, which I think they do. Still about identifying whether they have the right quarterback to go forward with. And, you know, we don't know everything about Daniel Jones yet, but I think that Daniel Jones has shown enough, you know, at least before he got hurt, to... uh, to be the Giants quarterback in 2021. So I think we're going that the Giants will will almost certainly go forward with, with Jones as their guy into next season. You know, this season was always about those things. It was always about progress. And it was always going to be difficult to uh to judge anything on wins and losses considering all of the the COVID 19 challenges that would be placed in in the way of, of every NFL team the lack of a preseason for a rookie head coach all of the the interruptions that have been caused so I still feel good about the direction of the Giants at this point you know regardless of of what the record ends up being I think that progress has been made this season I think that Giants fans should feel good about the uh about the ultimate direction of the team and about the leadership of this team. So with with uh, with all of that said, Giants fans, let's take a quick break here for a word from our SB Nation sponsors. When I come back, I will be talking to Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little
1: or a lot...
0: All right, Giants fans, we're joined now by Mary Kay Cabot of cleveland.com to help us uh, break down Sunday night's Giants-Cleveland game. Mary Kay, thank you very, very much for for coming on. Thanks for
1: having me. Pleasure to be here.
0: Hey, so I have to ask you, um, you were on you know, Wednesday's uh, conference call with, with Joe Judge, Uh did you, did you enjoy his, uh, his colorful answer to, to the, the Baker
1: Mayfield question? <laughs> I did. In fact, I, I just got done writing a whole story about it. I led my story uh, with that, and my headline was uh, that Joe Judge bleeping loves Baker Mayfield. Uh, that was the headline. And then my, uh, my lead was, uh, you know, just all about that, that funny moment and Baker's response to it, how he kind of appreciates that and uh yeah so i had a little bit of fun with that
0: yeah it made me chuckle i think that you know those of us who saw a judge during training camp understand that that that's his real personality but i think that's maybe only the second time all year that that he's let an f bomb slip in his zoom and, and that kind of made me chuckle so i was i was glad to see you picked up on it and, and ran with it
1: yeah it was funny because uh so, you know, the way that I described it was is that we had a muted group chuckle. You know, you couldn't hear anybody laughing because we were all on mute. But you could see that we were all kind of chuckling away there uh, in the Zoom. And it was it was just a, it was a cool moment because it sort of fits Baker's personality, too. I mean, he would want somebody to drop an F-bomb about him and about his attitude and that sort of thing. And,
0: and- so let's let's talk about Baker a little bit. I mean, this is a Cleveland team that's that's not necessarily built around Baker Mayfield. It's built around that running game, um, but you don't score you know 40 plus points back to back weeks you know without really good quarterback play. Where is he as a quarterback right now? Um, you know, would you put him in in sort of maybe an upper tier of uh, as a quarterback or, or where is he in his uh in his progression
1: Well first of all I would say say that they've done a really nice job of building the team around Baker Mayfield. I think even the quarter the, the running backs are there as part of his amazing supporting cast that they have built around him with a great offensive line, great running backs great receivers, great tight ends. And that's just the truth of it. I mean, that is what this is all about. And their passing game, uh, which took a little while to come around is just as important to them as their running game. They're multiple. And I think people kind of got, uh, you know, kind of penciled them in or pegged them in as, as a running team and they're really not that. And you're seeing that now. Uh, yeah. Guilt, guilty is charged. No, that's the okay. <laughs> Baker is uh You know, Baker is now showing that he didn't show it for a while because, like I said, it took a while uh, for it to for him to get comfortable in the new offense. And then once he started to get comfortable, they had three bad weather games in a row at First Energy Stadium. So the passing game was basically just a rumor in those games and it was all about the run. Uh, So they have this reputation as that, but that's really not what they're what they're all about. And you have been able to see that uh, in certain games, the Cincinnati game where he threw five touchdown passes, the Tennessee game where he threw four touchdown passes in the first uh, half of that game and and this pass game where he threw the ball 47 times uh, against the Ravens. So there is a, a very robust passing game and now Baker's comfortable in it. He's very, very, very comfortable in the passing game now. And they're running everything off of play action, mostly everything off of play action. And he's doing a great job in that. And, you know,
0: Cleveland is nine and four. And and I think, you know, they started off really well. And I think had a little bit of a lull in the middle, but, you know, that's kind of how NFL seasons go up and down. But at nine and four, you've got Kansas city, you've got Pittsburgh, you've got a couple of other nine and four teams in the mix. How seriously You know, should the rest of us take the Browns as an AFC contender?
1: Very seriously, very seriously now, because as I mentioned, now the passing game has joined the running game and now they're dangerous. And I think many teams uh, probably would not want to face the Cleveland Browns uh, because they are so multiple and they can do so many things on offense. When you have, again, when you have that kind of an offensive line and that kind of a running game and and then Baker now can put it all together, and make it sing then you know they're they're a dangerous team you had to see him do it against the Baltimore Ravens to sort of say okay this is a good pass defense can he do it against a good pass defense and he proved that he can and and I think that that that's huge because there aren't even that many good defenses in the NFL
0: yeah as as a guy who covers the Giants and uh, you know the Giants are a team that that doesn't score a ton of points. I mean, especially now with, with Daniel Jones being, you know, being limited if he's able to play at all. Um, Yeah. The Giants have a really good defense, but that scared me the other day watching them put up 40 plus points on a, on a really, really good Baltimore defense. I just don't know if the Giants can keep up with this team.
1: Yeah. You know what? It's, it almost seems to me like, uh, like they could go toe to toe, with like the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, like you would see a shootout between uh, Baker and and Patrick Mahomes or something like that, uh, or Deshaun Watson. Now it, they did play against the Texans, but that was in one of those weather games, but now you can kind of see him, you know, get into kind of a shootout with, with him or, or with Josh Allen. And, and you're right. I mean, unless the Giants defense is really, really up to the task and on point, and ready to do some things to slow down this offense it's it's you know it has the potential to get out of hand
0: yeah i there's there's part of me that there's part of me that 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 thinks that maybe the nfl is going to wish they hadn't flexed this game into sunday night <laughs> but i want to ask you eventually i want to get into some of the former giants that are that are on the browns roster but before we do that i want to ask you You've seen a lot of different coaches come and go in Cleveland and I wasn't real sure about the uh, the Kevin Stefanski hire to be to be truthful what has he brought to the Browns and and why is this working with him as as a rookie head coach
1: Well, first of all, he took over an incredibly talented football team, okay? That's number one, and I think even he would be the first to tell you that. Now, that is not going to work for everyone. It didn't work for Freddie Kitchens last year when he took over an incredibly talented football team. But this one is better. This one has a better offensive line, and this one also had a much easier schedule than Freddie did last year. So there were a few things working in Kevin Stefanski's favor, but he took over. He inherited – I think there are something like at least seven Pro Bowlers on offense – There are plenty of pro bowlers on defense There are a lot of first round picks here. I mean, this team has been stocking up on a lot of talent over the last couple of years, and it's been building uh, towards winning and contending. So he stepped into it, not like a lot of other head coaches that are first time head coaches. uh, They take over a team that is kind of at the bottom of its barrel. Well, that is not what he walked into at all. And that's why, you know, as a first time head coach, he's probably having a a lot more success than a lot of other first-time head coaches have. So that's, those are some things to keep in mind, but then he's done things with this team that have helped it get to this point, including, uh, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, he was able to get these guys to uh, care about each other, to get to know each other, uh, to, you know, to be organized, to be disciplined, uh, to want to run through a wall for each other and, and for him. So he's got all of those kinds of things. And then he also put together an amazing coaching staff. I mean, really really good coaches on this team.
0: So, it's interesting what I want to get into now. You know, Cleveland's roster is 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 dotted with, you know, with some former Giants and I want to talk, you know, be, before we get into to Odell Beckham, you know, who's obviously out for the season. I want to ask you about two of the guys that are playing big defensive roles for Cleveland. Olivier Vernon, who's a guy that is technically not part of the Beckham trade. Technically, you, oh, you know, Olivier Vernon for Kevin Zeitler was a separate trade. And then B.J. Goodson, who was, you know, who, who went from the Giants to Green Bay and now to Cleveland. What are those two guys, you know, bringing to to Cleveland's defense at this point?
1: Well, you know what? Olivier Vernon, he was a little injured, a little banged up early on in the season, but he's really come around, and he's really now uh, having a, a, a really nice season. I think he's got something like six sacks in his last five games, something like that. I mean, he, he's really uh, come on strong, and he's doing a nice job, and he's a nice complement to Baker – I mean, to uh, Miles Garrett on the other side. And B.J. Goodson, uh, you know what? He has, he has really – Um, made something of that linebacking core it's a much maligned linebacking core and he makes big plays I mean he he really does a nice job he will you know he's he's breaking up passes uh, he's making key stops and he has uh, he has been basically a, a pleasant surprise for them at linebacker
0: yeah you know just as an aside I, I never understood why the, the Pat Shermer, James Betcher coaching staff really wanted nothing to do with BJ Goodson, who had been a starting linebacker for them. It just, that one made me shake my head, you know, with a Giants team that, that needed linebacker help.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I have seen this so many times in my career. Uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. It happens all the time. For instance, Freddie Kitchens could not stand Richard Higgins. He was in the doghouse. It was a bad scene. Rashard Higgins, these guys gave him a chance uh, to prove himself and to prove that he was a good receiver and a valuable member of a football team, and he's having a, a tremendous season now. And, and Freddie just didn't like him. So, you know, and same thing with Adam Gase with, with Jarvis Landry. In Miami those guys just they did not like each other they butted heads and it just it just was not a good situation Jarvis Landry in Cleveland has been you know the model citizen the model player and he's flourished here so those things happen sometimes
0: yeah they do um you know and one of the things that happened in New York was Odell Beckham who you know we we have to talk about him a little bit I guess. Odell Beckham eventually wore out his welcome in New York, the trade to Cleveland, you know, two years ago now at this point. And the, the story or the, the, the chatter that's been kind of circulating around in, in the New York, New Jersey area this week is, well, did Cleveland win the trade or did the giants win the trade? I mean, when it was made, Dave Gettleman said it would take two or three years to really figure that out. Um, the New York writers, for the most part, seem to have come down on the side of, well, if you look at Odell's production and what the Giants got back, the Giants won the trade, but Cleveland's got a better team. So I guess it's a twofold question. On the question of who won the trade, which side would you come down on? And my other question Knowing that Cleveland has a different general manager now than they did when the trade was made, do you think they would make that trade again?
1: Uh, Probably not. They probably wouldn't make that trade again because from an analytics perspective, it probably would not have made sense to do that. Uh, For the kind of money that you were going to have to pay Odell Beckham Jr. And for where he was at in his career and all those sorts of things. I'm guessing that that this group probably – Probably would not have done that. Um, But, you know, one of the ways to look at it is the Browns would not be nine and four right now without Odell Beckham Jr. He single handedly won the Dallas game. So that's one loss that they would have had right then and there. Uh, He won that game. And sometimes that's all it takes is one game for you to get into the playoffs. And if they were eight and five right now, they would not have one of the top seven seeds in the AFC. And they would be eight and five if Odell Beckham Jr. had not won that game for him and he made other big plays in other games this year, too That they probably wouldn't have won those games if not for what Odell did now He didn't have the chemistry quite yet with Baker But Baker didn't have the chemistry with anybody yet in the beginning now he does now Baker is playing The way that everybody thought he would play the whole entire season and I think that Odell would have been a beneficiary of that as well and so I'm 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 not ready to say that the Giants won this trade because there's a darn good chance that if Odell hadn't torn his ACL this year, that he would have been lights out as the season went along and probably a big part of a playoff campaign. And who knows where he would have helped them go.
0: All right. Last question that I have for you. I always like to do this. I like to get an outside perspective, you know on the Giants on the team that I cover uh, so I'm curious you know obviously you you haven't you know followed the Giants on a day-to-day basis but but from the outside you know what your impression of, of Joe Judge and your sort of take on on where the Giants are at this point and maybe what they are
1: well you know what just seeing what I've seen out of them over the last four or five weeks I mean they're scrappy. They're winning games to come up off the mat and win four out of five games. That's pretty darn incredible. I really enjoyed being on the Zoom with Joe Judge today and kind of hearing what he was all about and what his personality is like, because I really wasn't very familiar with that before. As you mentioned, you know, I don't have you know a lot of exposure to the Giants on a day to day basis right now. And so it was kind of fun to hear, uh, you know, just to hear him talk. And he's just so energetic and full of personality. And, you know, he dropped the F-bomb about Baker Mayfield. <laughs> that was kind of fun. It gave me a whole story to write. And um, I really liked him. I was so impressed with him, so very impressed with him today. And uh, I, it seems to me like, like they're on the right track. And it seems like if you're able to get a team to come back and win four out of five games, then you're doing something right. You're doing something right. You kept them together and uh, and and you're on the right track that way. It seems like defensively uh, that it's a it's just a a well, well well-coached, well-coordinated defense. And they're doing some really, really great things there. And, you know, if they if they really play their cards right and are are on the money and on point. I mean, they, you know, they might be able to slow down uh, this offense right now. Although I I do think that it's hitting its stride at the right time, but uh, that defense is showing some things. I mean, if you can beat the Seahawks uh, there's, there's something to be said for that. So I, you know, I think they're on the right track. It seemed like Daniel, before he pulled the hamstring was doing some nice things, uh, you know, just extending plays and dual threat and all that sort of thing. And Hey, you guys don't uh, – the Giants don't have their Nick Chubb. They don't have their Nick Chubb right now. Mm-hmm. If the Browns didn't have their Nick Chubb right now, I don't know that they would be 9-4. and four. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something to be said for the fact that, you know, they're trying to play without their, their best offensive player.
0: You know, I should ask you – I just thought of this before I let you go. I should ask you about Colt McCoy. You know, since he was in Cleveland for so many years, you've got familiarity with – With Colt and the the little bit that I have talked to Colt he he seems like a great guy he seems like he would be a great teammate you know we don't know yet how good of a quarterback he still is but I'm just curious you know what you can tell us about your dealings with uh, with Colt McCoy over the years
1: I really enjoyed Colt I really really loved covering him I really liked him a lot Uh, at one point uh, when there was a, the lockout that was going on in 2011, and Pat Shurmur was the head coach, Colt took it upon himself to host a bunch of Browns players down in Austin, Texas. And he invited me to come down there for that. And I, that was just the coolest thing that he did. I mean, he was just, that was just Colt. And so I, I went down there, and I was kind of part of that whole thing. And he paid for, you know, some of the younger guys to come down there. And he really wanted to come back and try to have a good season in 2011. Now, it didn't work out at all because uh, or was that 2012? He would have come back in. It didn't work out because Pat Shermer decided to start Brandon Whedon over Colt McCoy. Now, I think what happened with Colt McCoy in his career, and I, I really do believe this, is that um, One of his last games in the bowl game, I think it was, where he got hurt. He hurt his shoulder, and I just don't think he was ever the same after that. I just don't think he was ever the same. I don't think his arm was ever the same. I don't think it ever came back the way that he wanted it to. There was just something not right about the arm talent after that. Uh, So that's how I look at that. I think if not for that, I think he might have had a really, really nice career because he's a playmaker in some ways. Baker, I think Baker Mayfield, it reminds me a little bit of what Colt McCoy was at Texas, you know, just a scrappy playmaker, makes something out of nothing. Uh, And I would have loved to have seen Colt go on to have a really, really great career. But I think injuries had something to do with it. He suffered a horrible concussion here in Cleveland. That, you know, that didn't help matters at all. And then he got injured again when he got his opportunity in Washington. But there, there was always something about him. He, he has a winner mentality, uh, 45 victories at Texas, and, uh, and I just wish his career would have gone the way that it should have.
0: All right, Mary-Kate, thank you very, very much for, uh, for spending some time with me, for, for dropping some uh, Browns knowledge on us. Before I let you go, just tell the folks where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your work if they want to.
1: Uh, Well, of course, Cleveland.com, and we've got all kinds of things on there for you. Uh, We've got podcasts, uh, which our podcast is called the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. And uh, so everything is there for you on Cleveland.com. And then my Twitter is at Mary Kay Cabot, and it's just uh, pretty much how it's spelled.
0: All right, Giants fans, that'll wrap up this episode edition of the Valentine's Views podcast. Our thanks to the incredibly insightful Mary Kay Cabot for joining the show and for dropping some Browns knowledge on us. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Check out Big Blue View on Instagram. Check out our Facebook page. Follow at Big Blue View on Twitter. Join the community at BigBlueView.com so you can comment, discuss things uh, going on with your New York Giants with uh, with other Giants fans. And also, as always, please remember to, uh, to stay safe out there, Giants fans. All right, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot,